You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kivalevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. All right. Good morning, everyone. This is Fundamentals of Talmud. I hope uh, you had a good weekend and I hope uh, it was restful. Um, and I hope that you weren't agonized more than necessary. There have been, uh, unfortunately, you know, uh, Josh has said that we're doing this, uh, Shalom ben uh, Aryeh Leib, uh, Lili Nishmoso. Unfortunately, there's so many other people that have died in the last couple of days uh, in our community where we're giving the shir here in Elizabeth and in the world and the Jewish world and in the whole world. So it be not only a Lili Nishmoso for him, but the schus of Lima Torah, the fact that we, you know, the Baal Shem, the fact that we take time out in the middle of the day to learn should be a schus for us. Um, the Balatanya said that when the Balabos, who's rushing and takes time out and ducks into an alley and davens a mincha, even though he didn't have a shul, but he knew he had to daven mincha, the fact that he took that time, and, and even though it wasn't the most beautiful tefillah, he says it's marish, it causes the worlds, the upper worlds, to shake. Because you see that even this, these are the creatures as we are, we're still making time and, and we try to insert God when we can and, and, and we do it with a passion. So hopefully our learning should be similar in that way. It should be Marish Levamas HaKadosh Baruch Hu should quickly, quickly end this and we should discover what it will take. Let's take a look at, and going from the mystical to the practical. Let's take a look at our, if you can see in front of me, uh, in front of you, I've, I, I, we're sharing the screen here. We're going to start something new today. It's a new week. And the statement is the last line on this page, on the first page of the Talmud page. And here we see it. Amr of Yeshua ben Levi. We talked about him. He He's an Amora with a lot of muscle. He's an Amora that's sort of like almost a Tana. Uh, it's confusing sometimes. Last year, of course, we talked about the difference between the Amorayim and the Tanoyim. We talked about how an Amora is subject to criticism and uh, what we call the knockout punch in the field of play if he goes against the Tanoyim. Uh, but there's some Amorayim that are more equal than others. And Yeshua ben Levi is one of them. Uh, I can't explain exactly why. Um, part of it is because of his age. But I think it's more than age. It's more, it's more than the fact that he lived in a period of grandeur. He clearly, although he was not a Tana, we do not want to dismiss his statements uh, summarily. So let's see what he says here. Amr Bishuab and Levi. Noshim. Yes. Where are you on the page? The bottom of page one of, of, of Psachim, Kufches Amid Aleph. Uh, I got it. I got it. Amr Bishuab and Levi. Noshim Chayovos. The four cups that I guess we were talking about, women have to drink them as well. Now, um, and let's take a look at the next line. It goes on to the next page. Line one of page two. Okay. Now, those of you that were with me last night on the Talmud, we had that as well. 
Uh, so this is a statement that comes up a number of times. And, 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 and let's give the background here. First of all, let's translate. Afhain, even they, Hoyu, were Baotohanes. They were in that miracle. Okay, so let's talk about, we need a little bit of background. Um, what would be the reason that women couldn't be involved in mitzvot? Okay, let's not uh, dwell on the specific mitzvah of of drinking four cups. Let's talk about the fact that it's a mitzvah. Why shouldn't women have to do mitzvot? God spoke to men and women. God gave the Torah to men and women. Obviously, women uh, are adjured from violating any of uh, Averot. They can't. They can't eat chametz. They can't eat uh, chazir. What would be the reason why women shouldn't do mitzvot? Or why do you think women aren't involved in mitzvot? So there is a principle that is not developed in this uh, page of Talmud, but is developed in another place in Kedushan, where the the, the Talmud, uh, quoting the Mishnah and the Talmud there, says that women are exempt from time-bound mitzvot. Now, we, we are able to extract this idea um, from one of the mitzvot, which is going up to the Beit HaMikdash three times a year, where the Torah says, all your males should go up. All your males. From there and other places, the rabbis, and this is not the place to go into right now, the rabbis are able to create and, and obviously develop what I think was known from them from tradition, that women are exempt from time-bound mitzvot, which means women do not have to own a lulav and etrog. They do not have to sit in a sukkah. Um, they don't have to hear the shofar blowing. And this is a discussion the Talmud has the Talmud does not, however, um, give the reasons behind that. Uh, the Rishonim talk about it, the medieval commentators. And one of the standard reasons that's given is that God understood that women have responsibilities in the home that cannot necessarily be pushed off. And maybe even especially during these times, God did not want to give the women something else to do, force them to do, take them away from their domestic tasks, which are crucial for the home to continue properly. In order for the home to continue properly, women had to be relieved. You couldn't say, especially if it's something that must be done in a certain time. Uh, Women are so important in the Jewish home, that to bifurcate or to cause them to to split their attention to something else would it would cause the whole Jewish home edifice to be wrecked. So because of that, women are patur from mitzvah say shazman groma. Now I don't know if that's a sexist attitude or not, but that is something that we do find uh, expressed in the Rishonim. Okay. Now, if that is true, now we can turn to our case. 
We know drinking four cups of wine is something that is only done on the night of the Seder. You don't have, there's no other night of the year. This is, it's, it's time-bound mitzvah. Drinking four cups at the Seder is a time-bound mitzvah. If so, women should be excluded. Because we know from other mitzvot, like I just mentioned, sukkah, shofar, lulav, they are potter. They should be potter from drinking the four cups as well. Now, those of you that are, if you're listening to me here, hopefully your brain is thinking about other things too. <laughs> Maybe they're potter from from the from the mitzvah of matzah. Maybe they're also potter from the mitzvah of morar. Maybe they're also potter from the whole being able to to actually speak at the seder and hear the story of Etzias Mitzrayim. Good questions. Let's hold that in abeyance for a little while. Right now, let's just concentrate on the fundamental here of what the Talmud page has told us. So I go back to the page before and read it in its entirety. Noshim Chayovot. Noshim Chayovot. Noshim Chayovot. Ba'ar Talolu. They are Chayov. Strangely enough, where you would have thought they wouldn't be, because it's a time-bound commandment from the rabbis. Why? Which means that we made an exception here. We made an exception to the rule because they were so they were clearly part of this miracle for which the mitzvah has come uh, to commemorate. The miracle, they were part of it, and they were part of it in a way, and again, the, the Talmud's phrasing is, even they, this they were part of it, perhaps as much as men were. Don't say they were out of it. So since this commandment, it's rabbinic in origin, drinking four cups, it never says in the Torah to drink four cups, but since this commandment was based on celebrating a miracle that they were part of, therefore, they were included in the responsibility. When the rabbis cr- developed the idea of drinking four cups during the Seder, and we talked about that at length last week, the first two, the second two, what they symbolize and what they're about, women were included in the legislation. That's what Yeshua ben Levi says. Okay. Now, uh, since I, I what I, I'd like to take a little bit of a of a of a, of a side trip here. It says here that the okay audio connection is says here that okay the audio connection is restored. Okay. Um. So I want to. I think it's important because. There, there is a charge about Talmudic and Orthodox Judaism that women do not play the role they should. And I think that um, this is something which I think when we have these passages in the year 2020, we, it, it behooves us to, to expand a little bit. Because, you know, why is it that women aren't – why don't they play the role? What are you trying to tell me about women – so I think it's important to see honestly what the sources say. So 
I, I, the sources are all in front of you on this page. They're written in Rashi script, and I apologize for that. But I'm going to try my best to show you something about that. So let's take a look here, as I pointed out to you last week. If you see where I'm, I'm, I'm going up and down with the cursor, this on a Talmud page would be the binding, the center binding of, of, of the book. Therefore, Rashi on top, and you remember his grandson, Rashbam, on the bottom. Okay? So we're going to read the two Rashi. We're going to read Rashi and his grandson. And then we're going to go over to uh, the Tosfot and see what Tosfot says. Okay? So here we go. So, I, uh, again, I apologize. <laughs> there are, by the way, there are... Um, text, the original Steinsaltz and others, where the Tosfot was written in uh, non-Rashi script. The Rashi script is, is very uh, troubling to people who have not learned it. And I, I probably, had I not been trained when I was five years old or whatever it was, four or five years old, to read Rashi script, I don't know if it would come to me as natural. The reason why Rashi script looks the way it does and it looks different than the standard Hebrew script, was because originally when the, when the printing press was developed for the Talmud, and I spoke about that at length last time, they weren't able to minimize the size of the fonts. They couldn't, so even though you could have writing on the side, how did you know what it was? It wasn't any smaller. As you can see on our page, our modern Talmud page, the letters are, if you can hear me now, the letters are bigger in the, in the middle section than they are on the side. So you, it's clear. But when the, when the printing press was first developed, they weren't able to have smaller letters and bigger letters. Because of that, putting this writing on the side was confusing who it is. Is it part of the text or not? So what they devised was, the printers did, a different font completely that looked similar, but nobody would ever confuse with the original. And that's how we have Rashi script. The letters are, 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 are close enough to the original that you know what they are, but they are different. And that's how you have the history. That's why Rashi is Rashi. Rashi had no part in writing it, believe me. Rashi, we say the, the Rashi script. The man Rashi, Shlomo Yitzchaki of, 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 of Troyes in France, had no, uh, and Worms in Troyes in France, he had no part in, in the way that script looked. That was a practical matter that allowed the printers, that allowed these uh, initial primitive printed texts to be understood as Rashi. But once that became the way Rashi was printed, whether it was on the side of the Talmud page or on the bottom of a Chumash page, the ship sailed. And that became Rashi and many of the commentaries. So um, this is just one of the anomalies. I actually believe that if, if we should get together, perhaps, because if, it, if it's causing such difficulty, just eliminate it. 
There really doesn't have to be any need from the rabbis can decide books from this point on won't have Rashi script anymore. And this probably will make it a lot easier for people. But OK, look, you know, it's here and it's here. So we have to live with it. Let's take a look at the Rashi then. Rashi says, as is said in another place, the top Rashi here. Bishar Noshim Sitkoniot Shibaoto Ador Nigalu. The reason why they were part of the miracle is because they played an essential part in us leaving Mitzrayim. I'm getting a, a chat. <laughs> okay, thank you. Um <laughs> Josh says thumbs up. Um to my suggestion, you mean. Um, what I would say, Josh, though, is um, there is there is a benefit in struggling sometimes. Sometimes when you struggle hard on something, it, 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 you really own it. <laughs> but I, I don't think you have to struggle unnecessarily, especially in today's time. So anyway, let's look at Rashi again. Can I read on Bizarre? Right now, aren't we? What? <laughs> what did you say, Josh? We're learning that. Right now in our situations, the struggle, it's, um, that's right. It's actually for our benefits. So. That's right. Right. The, 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 the struggles that we have of isolation and re- re- remaining civil and, and, and nice and, and, and devoted is going to, is going to, uh, we're going to have great dividends from what we've gone through. And they should, and, and hopefully they should not come at a at a high at a high price. Um, let's take a look at the Rashi again. Meaning, it's not just that they were part. Rashi is saying it doesn't mean because they left Egypt. Also, it's because of them that we left Egypt. Now, this is a sexist idea in a way because why are the women of today? represented by the women of the previous generations, right? The women of today, uh, they are uh, uh, 20, 80, 100, 200 generations, whatever it is, removed from the ones that left Mitzrayim. But somehow, the women, if you were born a woman, then your mental role is the role uh, of the women of that time. And therefore, the women of that time, Rashi points out, Quoting a, a, a Talmud in a piece of Talmud in Sota that says it's because of what they did, it's because of their incredible heroism during the period of slavery, of enslavement and slavery, that we were redeemed. The men were sort of like passively accepting, and the women were actually more of an active force in. Allowing the redemption to happen. Of course, of course, God had promised it, <laughs> but promises <clears throat> don't necessarily get fulfilled the way we think they're going to get fulfilled. It could have lasted a lot longer. Who knows? The reason why we went out when we went out and the reason why we went out in the glorious way we did, which is the idea of Nigalu. You can see it here. I'm, I'm, I'm scrolling on it. The reason why we were redeemed. Not just we left, but Geula, which is redemption, which is restoration, is because of the, what, the way women acted 
during that period. Um, now, what did Rashi? What is Rashi alluding to? <laughs> Rashi is alluding to uh, again. I'll say the words again so you understand. Bischar, it's the merit, the payment of noshim tzidkonios of saintly women. Sheba Osodor, that were in that generation. Maybe not all of them were saints. Some of them weren't. We know of one of them that wasn't such a saint. Shalomat Bazdivri, the the who's in the Torah, who had an affair with a Mitzri. She was one of the ones. But they weren't all saints. But there were a number there were enough that were. And their saintliness was, the Talmud says, they gave their husbands hope. They gave the family hope that when the husbands would be shattered by this horrible work that they had to do, horrible work because it didn't seem to have a purpose, horrible work because it was difficult, because it was backbreaking, because it didn't go anywhere. The women, would, despite their work, would come out to them and create romance. They would create a sense of love. They would create a sense of humor during that period. The, the, the Rashi in Chumash actually quotes some of the coquettish, sort of like sweet nothings that the women would say even in that period. And part of it was to continue to have children, to continue to 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 encourage a family life even in that period the desire for life continuing despite what was going on that's what caused them to be labeled saints that was one of the greatness of and because of that god uh, obviously they uh, caused excuse me they lit within the, the whole Jewish people and their husbands particularly the understanding that we still live. Am Yisrael Chai. We're still alive and, and we have a future. And that's one of the reasons why we went out. Of, that is why we merited. So that is a, a beautiful idea of how important they were in the story. Then Rashi goes on, the second line of Rashi on the left. When it comes to the reading of the Megillah, we have a similar statement that women need to hear the Megillah. It says the recording is lost here. Let's see. Hopefully the recording is back. You can hear me, I hope. So by Mikra Megillah as well, Rashi points out that they need to hear the Megillah. Rashi shows a parallel to our Gemara. Our Gemara says they need to drink the four cups. The Gemara and Megillah says they need to show up to hear Megillah reading or read the Megillah if they don't have a place to show up. We also say the same statement. Why? Third line of Rashi on the left. Dimishum, that because, what's the because? Dal Yideh, that is these three letters, means de al Yideh, Dalid Ayin Yud, D 
that ayin al streichel yud al yidei because through al yidei means on the hands of that's what it means literally but it me it, what it, what it, what it's meant to suggest is through the hands are always the active agent it was through their hands al yadam or al yidei through the hands through the agency of who Esther Nigalu. Through Esther, there was a redemption. So again, some you, that's what Rashi is saying means the reason why the rabbis bend the rules and put women into these mitzvot. The mitzvot of drinking the four cups, the mitzvot of hearing the Megillah as well, because a woman was crucial. Had, had Esther not taken the role she took, had Esther not overruled Mordechai, then the redemption, the saving of the Jews wouldn't have happened. So because of that, even though women are usually, we we don't want to force them away from the home. We don't want to give them uh, more things to do. Here, we we bound them as much as men because of the role that women had in the story. Then Rashi adds a third place where this principle is on a display. And the same thing is true by Ner Chanukah. Those of you that were part of Dafyomi, Henoch was there last night. We saw the same thing. Why women, even if they're not married, their husbands are, or if they are married, their husbands aren't around, or single girls have to light Chanukah lights from the 25th day of Kislev for eight nights. And the reason is also because they were crucial in the miracle of Hanukkah. We, we learned last night what that was. Um, uh, you might remember, Henoch, and that was Rashi says there, and I'll tell it to you outside. Rashi, in his commentary in Masechet Shabbat, studied last night here on this platform, said the reason was, was because one of the terrible um, uh, decrees, see what I'm getting a, a chat here. Okay. Um, I'll get to that in a minute. Um, one of the, one of the, one of the terrible decrees of, 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 of Hanukkah that was eventually overturned was directed against women. Women had a terrible decree that during that period, obviously the women throughout time have protected their virginity and held themselves for their husbands. One of the, uh, Takanot, the Xerot, decrees that the the Syrian Greeks had against the women, against us, was that every virgin ready for marriage had to first be deflowered by one of their representatives, by a priest or a, or a general, I'm not sure exactly, but someone who had some sort of official capacity. That was part of our, what we had to pay to them, was to allow the... the, the the, they get the first crack at the virgin before her husband did. The degrading element here, the, the disgusting, degrading element of, of, of control 
And, and this was something that a, a woman rebelled, Rashi tells us in Shabbat, uh, that one of the women rebelled and she was actually uh, the daughter of the Kohen Gadol. And she acted as if she was going to uh, allow this man to take advantage of her. And she even became amorous, acting amorous towards him, which of course was a ruse. What she actually did was when he became amorous, was he was a- she was actually able to take control of the situation and she was able to cut off his head <laughs> with a-, a-, a knife that she had around. I guess she was first wanting to eat and drink. She got him drunk, or I'm not sure. And after she cut his head off, um, she ran onto the field of battle where the where the Greek uh, Syrian Greek soldiers were, and she lifted up the head of this leader. And that action, although it sounds very gruesome in our eyes, um, actually gave a tremendous lift to the Hasmonean forces, the forces of rebellion, the menfolk. When they saw when one of their, the fairer sex, the weaker sex, was able to accomplish, that gave them the strength to realize that they could win this battle with <laughs> cunning and, and, and determination. So that, that's where women played the role in these three holidays, Hanukkah, Purim, and Pesach. And because of that, they are included in these mitzvot. Okay? Um, the um, Now, I, I want to... Uh, some of you might find this uh, uplifting. I hope you do. But Tosvot has a question on this. <laughs> what I just told you, I think, was a very accurate representation of Rashi, and it's echoed by his grandson here, the Rashbam. I want to show you uh, a Tosvot on the other side of the page. Tosvot first, as you can see here in the second Tosvot, the, the, when the lines are, when the letters are large, that's a, that means this is a new Tosvot. This is Tosvot number one. Here's Tosvot number two. Wherever you have these, this enlargement of script, that's how you know it's another Tosfot. Now, that's, that was obviously an advantage in printing. When the printing press became a little less primitive, they were able to enlarge the letters. Uh, for a while, you needed to figure out where the Tosfot began and ended. I thought you said the Tosfot is on the left side, the Rashi is on the right side. Okay, then I wasn't clear. Every page, Josh... It's different. The page has two sides. If this would be a physical Talmud book in our hands, this would be the center binding, where my cursor is now, next to Rashi. Okay? On the opposite, and when you turn the page, and you can see here, this would be the other side of the page. This is this is folio 108B. These two, these two dots mean Ahmed Bet the other side of the page up here, which means that had this been a physical book, this would be away from the binding. So Tosfot is away from the center binding of the page. So uh, on every page, it's going to flip. 
It's uh, Tos Rashi will be uh, on. So, Go ahead. Rashi's closer to the binding, and Totafos is is farther away from the binding. Got right, it. Right. And, and the idea to remember is the binding is sort of the heart of the book. So therefore, Rashi and in this case his grandson represent the essence in a way what you need. Tosfot is the addition on the other side. So let's see what Tosfot says here. Tosfot says he first he quotes he quotes Rashbam and he says here look at where I'm where my cursor is. Vikasha says I find this difficult. You might have heard. The, you might have heard the the Hebrew phrase uh, kasha. It's it's a kasha. Okay, here a kasha means something difficult. Kasha means a difficulty. The kasha. He says he says the word af. The word af. It doesn't say they were part of the nace. It says they were even she'af. That even. That they were even. Af is like the word afilu. Even them. Afilu. That women, it's, it sounds like mashma, that implies, Tosfo says, she'enan ikar. That they weren't so essential. The way Rashi, Rashi and Rashbam have presented a case where the exodus, the saving of the Jews, in uh, Shushan and the rest of the world and the military victories of Hanukkah might not have happened had it not been for women. The word af sounds like they are part of it, but they are like, yeah, let's include them. Even they were part of it. Va'od, another argument against this, Tosva says, and Tosfus here does something he does often. If you come to my uh, evening class, we we dedicate ourselves to your shalmi every night. Vaod to be your shalmi. If you look into your shalmi, which is the Talmud that was written almost simultaneously, a little bit earlier, finished and edited, that was going on in the land of Israel. But parallels in many ways are Talmud. And why we study this Talmud, which we call Talmud Bavli, the Babylonian Talmud, and not the the Israel Talmud, which is known sort of incorrectly as the Jerusalem Talmud. It was not put together in Jerusalem, but even it was actually put together in, in, in cities where the Jews were living. They weren't actually able to live in Jerusalem at the time, especially the rabbis were not able to congregate there. So the term Talmud Yerushalmi is a misnomer. However, the Rishonim, the Ashkenazi Rishonim, constantly refer to that Talmud as the Talmud Yerushalmi. So, the, and, and, and again, we do have the Talmud Yerushalmi, and the Talmud Yerushalmi on this on this Masechta, on Pesachim, talking about this issue of women, says Garis has the the text of Sha'af Hain, even they, Hoyu, Ba'oso Safek. They were also, not in the miracle, but they were in doubt. They were in that period of doubt, that period of we don't know what's going to happen. 
they were in that period of 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 unknowingness, that period of terror, that period of fear, the period of not knowing. They were also part of the fear and the terror. That's what the Yashalmi says. It doesn't say they were part of the miracle. <laughs> the Bavli says, and this is where Rashi and his grandson take off on it, they were part of the miracle, which means they were, that gives them license to say they were crucial in the miracle. They actually helped allow the miracle to happen. They were instrumental. They were the yeast that allowed the miracle to rise. Tosva says the word af doesn't sound like that. And the Yerushalmi, which is a cousin of the Bavli, and can sometimes tell us what the Bavli meant, says that it means they were in the doubt, in the fear, in the uneasiness of what was going to happen. And, and Tosis explains that a little further. He says, Mashma, this would mean Sakana. They were also in the same danger as we were. And Tosis starts with the easiest one. Let's talk about Purim. In Purim, Dilahashmid, Ulaharog, Ulaabed. Because Purim, Obviously, they would have been killed as well. So that's the way Tosfos looks at it. So according to Tosfos, what it means, um, the reason why women are part of this is because, well, women were enslaved. Women were part of the the terrible uh, uh, persecution of Hanukkah. And women were also on the decree of Haman, of Haman. So that's the way Tosas looks at it. Tosas, you don't have to make women into the heroes. Tosas is much more egalitarian. In other words, Rashi would like to put up on a, a flagpole the amazing women of Egypt, the amazing women of Shushan, the amazing women of Hanukkah time. In a way, that is sort of sexist. <laughs> because you have to you have to emphasize their heroism. Maybe they're part of it because it's it's a national holiday that they were part of as well. Yeah. So um I'll get to Hanuk's point in a minute. So uh that is the way uh, Tosvot uh looks at it. He says, first of all, his point, Josh and Hannah, is that the text, he believes Rashi and his grandson have, have, have inserted into the text more than was the text seemed to imply. Secondly, he uses the Yerushalmi uh, to back up another interpretation, which he believes is actually fairer. You don't have to look for heroes. Just look for the fact that they were part of this event too. Why? Why shouldn't they join the uh, the events that the actions that we do that celebrate something that clearly affected men and women equally? That's what Tosfot says. Now, the problem with Tosfot's explanation is <laughs> then why? Um, he says, then why, or why don't women sit in a sukkah? 
<laughs> in other words, if you say according to the way Rashi explains it and the Rashbab, women get the role of when they are crucial. Normally, women are excluded from these mitzvot, but when women play a crucial, essential role, they 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 take a part in the mitzvah. Well, if that's true, okay, that explains why women don't sit in the sukkah. The sukkah is all about how God took care of us in through the forty years in the desert. They didn't. It wasn't because of them that God put us in the Sukkot. He protected us because he was protecting the, all the people. So therefore, women get their usual exemption from sitting in the Sukkot. According to Tosvot, though, the idea of women being involved in mitzvot is because if this event included them, if they were part of it, just like everybody else, they didn't have to be heroes in it, then therefore they should sit in the Sukkot just as well as men do for the same reason. For the same reason they go to hear the Megillah and light Hanukkah lights, they should sit in the sukkah because they were part of it. They were part of God's loving, taking care of in the desert. They needed it. <laughs> Good to see you back, Dustin. So therefore, why aren't women, why don't women sit in the sukkah according to the way Tosvot has, has developed? So I'll, we'll end with this. <laughs> and I know we went a little bit far afield. But I think it was important, especially, and then I'm going to, I'm going to mention Henry's comments, which are in the chat. Uh, this that we say, we're in the Tosvot, the second Tosvot, and you can follow me with the cursor. Then why don't, why do we say that they don't sit in the Sukkah? Even go, this is a three word, uh, uh, three letter, uh, uh, Shorthand, my English brain is going. Um, it, it's an acronym. Aleph Ayin Gimel. Af Al Gav. Even though Af Al Gav. Af means even, just like we said. Afe no yaboso nice. Al Gav on its back. In other words, Af Al Gav. Despite that, put it on its back. The Af Al Gav. The Af Hein no yaboso anes. They also were in that miracle of, of, of sitting in a, of, of, of being protected by God in the desert. They were, God put the clouds of glory to protect them as well. So women should be able to sit in a sukkah and should sit in a sukkah just like men. So Tosus has got himself in a pickle. <laughs> So we'll, we'll just do Tosos' answer, and, and then I'll deal with the points that have been ri- raised in the chat. So Tosos says the following. Tosos says that the next word of Tosvot is hatam. Hatam. That's a key Gemara word, and you can underline it if you've printed out this this page. Hatam. Hatam means there. Alphabet. Chata means like there, uh, like the word. It's it, it's 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 a Hebrew. It's an Aramaic cousin to the word shum, ha shum, tum. The tough and the shin sort of uh, are are interchangeable. The tough in Aramaic is the shin of Hebrew, and 
So therefore, the word hatam is hasham. Sham. So there, sham, over there, that's asay da'araita. That's a mitzvah from the Torah. Da'araita is the Aramaic way we talk about the Torah. Araita. You might have heard there's a yeshiva in Israel called Araita. There is, uh, we sing a song on Simchas Torah. Yisroel v'araita v'kudsha berichu. So that's a, that's a term, that's a song we sing from the Zohar. Araita is Aramaic for Torah. It has the words, it has the key letters, alevav resh in the middle. Or light. So, Daraita is the is Aramaic for the Torah. Asay Daraita. That's a mitzvah asay from the Torah. The Torah said sit in the sukkah. We know women, as I mentioned at the very beginning of today's class, the rabbis are able to figure out from other places in the Torah that women do not are not responsible to do time bound commandments. On a Torah level, we cannot legislate them into the mitzvah. When it's a Torah mitzvah, they are, this is sort of like counterintuitive thinking. When it's a Torah mitzvah, we can't use our logic to include women. The Torah says women don't go up for the holiday. The women don't, aren't bound for time-bound mitzvot. Okay, women, you don't have to sit in a sukkah. The rabbis aren't even telling you to sit in a sukkah. However, when the rabbis create a mitzvah, when it comes to the four cups, it's a complete rabbinical construct. A complete rabbinical construct, the rabbis can say, well, on one hand, we like this to be modeled after the Torah laws where women do not do time-bound mitzvot and don't have to. On the other hand, we might want to include women. So in other words, when the law is rabbinic, the rabbis have a freer hand deciding how to write the legislation. And they can decide, let's throw women into it as well, because there's a good logical reason. But they, but they are powerless, Tosfos rules, and, and should be powerless dealing with the laws of the Torah. They cannot say, we believe women should hear the shofar blowing. We believe it's important because women should also get the inspiration of hearing the chauffeur sound. That's a nice idea, but they have no power to legislate that. Because if in God's eyes, women didn't have to do it, then the rabbis should stay away. Rabbis, you want to create your own commandment? You want to create your own rules? So if you believe that women should be involved, give a reason, give a rationale. And then we'll, and that's the way it works. And that's what Tosu says. They established it for women. And that was the reason for Hanukkah as well. And the reason is because they were part of the events of the leaving of Mitzrayim. It's not because they were heroes. They might have been. Tosus is not denying that women were heroic. But we don't need to turn them into heroes. And again, I'll, I'll end this. You know, again, so again, there's a lot we did today. But I think Tosfos is really more egalitarian and less sexist in a sense than, than or Messiah than, than Rashi and Rashban. 
because it's sort of similar uh, to the African-American experience in Hollywood. Uh, for years in the 20s, 30s, and 40s, and 50s even, up until the mid-50s, uh, African-Americans were either not on display in Hollywood films or were symbols of, of ridicule, uh, terrible, ugly humor. Uh, in the 60s, however, when African-Americans became included in Hollywood films, they usually played a very noble character, like Sidney Poitier in... Uh, uh, in the heat of the night and other things where it was the noble uh, African-American, uh, the noble Negro. Uh, and, and many African-Americans didn't like that either. Why is it the, the only African-American we have to have is some noble saint? We just want to be like everybody else. <laughs> Don't say, well, we're going to include Negroes in, in, in July 4th experience and the July 4th celebration of having a country because Crispus Attucks was one of the people that was killed defending uh, Boston Harbor. <laughs> it was, we're Americans. I'm an American. Don't, don't, don't put on a flagpole some African-American he hero. Tosfus is saying a similar idea. You don't need to, in order for the rabbis to include women, they didn't, they didn't need to, it's not because women are, are necessarily the heroic parts. That was true. They were heroic women. It's because women were part of it just like men were. And therefore, the rabbis felt, let's include women in this as well. Let's include women in this uh, experience, this experience of drinking the four cups. We'll talk about, according to Tosis, what would be with Matz and Mara as well. Let me go to Henry's point. Henry points out here that uh, on a related topic, we always say, uh, we make a bracha every morning, Shavu Asani Isha, um, which, as Henry says, is is because we probably couldn't do the job that women can do. Uh, we're sort of we're sort of thanking God that He didn't give us uh, a, a a a role a a a challenge that we probably wouldn't be able to live up to. Henry also says that. Um, that we should take inspiration, that even though we're in fear, we could still act like the women did. Um, they acted despite the fact that they were in fear, uh, and that's one of the reasons why we were saved, and that's how we should perhaps take inspiration in today's time from it. Okay, so I hope that this was, uh, I'm going to stop here the recording. Thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode.